0: Transition Partners take mental health very seriously. We are now supporting Claro Mental Health Charity, who are local and based in Harrogate. We are working closely with Richard Kenny, who is the IT Director at Tech Buyer. Claro operates as a commercial workshop making goods for businesses, which enable those with long-term mental health conditions to function in a vol- voluntary real-work environment. We would love it if you can join us in supporting this amazing, Amazing cause and charity and donate what you can any any amount will be greatly appreciated thank you very much and thanks to all our listeners
1: hi this is the let's talk leadership podcast my name is ellie greenie And my name's Sandra Patel-Stewart. On this podcast, we will be interviewing some of the UK's greatest tech leaders. We'll be discussing war stories, battle scars and their
0: learnings from their journeys. Hopefully, you will pick up some great tips, learn from others' experiences and have a good laugh along the way.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Let's Talk Leadership podcast. So it's a fantastic sunny day here in Leeds and we're super excited to interview our next guest. So we've got Dmitry Muzhikov on the podcast who is the Chief Product Officer at Altios. Dimitri is an experienced product leader working mainly within the fintech and insurtech space for well-known startups such as Koya, Credit and is currently working at Altios, as mentioned, where he's helping their investor AXA to further build on its reputation as one of the fastest and most innovative players among major insurance companies. Dimitri's expertise lie with building and growing new technology products, and, also, uh, and he also has multiple years' leadership experience within this space to share with us today. So we cannot wait to hear all about your experience. Hello, Dimitri. Hi, hi. Hi Dimitri <laughs> hi, me- okay? hi, hi. How are you? okay, Dimitri?
2: Very good, very good. Thanks. How about you?
1: Good. Yeah, and it looks nice and sunny in Berlin as well today.
2: Yeah, it is. Still feels like the end of summer, so
0: it's Oh nice. It's not quite that it's sunny today, but it's not not particularly warm. Um so um, <laughs> Sounds nice. Um, fantastic. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Um, I always kick kick the start the show with um, just setting the scene and a little bit context for the listeners and viewers. So it would be great if we could start us off with telling us a bit more about you, your journey, how you got into tech, and um, more importantly, how you got to where you are today.
2: Sure. Um, just to start with, I actually have a very weird habit. I always start my stories from the current to the past. So time, you go the other
1: way to us
2: this this time i'm going to do the traditional way
1: oh okay
2: probably in years i've been so um yeah the um we can call it the tech journey let's put it like this so it started uh, more or less uh, from the high school when i was in the eighth grade so mm-hmm. more or less the first time i saw the internet or got access to the internet I was like, mm-hmm. okay how is it built And more or less all the time until I graduated from the school, I was engaged in different like uh, website building, HTML coding, and just trying to figure out how it's done. Unfortunately, there were not so many, you know, resources or some like basic books, how it's done. And then you reach certain level and then you don't know like, okay, which book I should buy now. Okay. And then I bought like, I remember like Apache servers book. Okay. Is it useful now? Hmm. No, probably not. So it was like really, really hard to progress back to base in time, and you just kind of only rely some like on trying certain things and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it like interest started a long time ago, like twenty years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And um, however, over time, by the end of the uh, by the end of the high school, I kind of really really didn't see myself as purely in any engineering or informatics or this kind of studies for my for my bachelor and theater. And I thought, okay, so I like technologies, but, you know, just to make technology work, probably uh, it should be business. So you need to understand the business to understand if you can apply certain technology. And I got a very general like international business degree in Russia and was in St. Petersburg, finished in uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008. Then was a couple of like early uh, starting works, mostly in business area. And it uh, was around two years or so. And then at a certain point, I just realized that, okay, I have I have still tech interest and I kind of like technology. What I'm doing now in no way lead me anywhere closer to the tech because I'm shifting towards more like just traditional sort of business. And I thought, okay, what could be like the jumpstart? How can I push myself a little bit out of the... Of the circle that i am now and i thought okay probably a good idea would be just to go and get certain maybe just try to get some degree in some other country and that's how i ended up in singapore in uh oh god when was that uh, i think it was 2010 or 11. and um applied for the mba improved my english skills a little bit uh, passed all the tests and yeah basically spent two years studying studying in Singapore and um, that's where I started again getting closer with all the projects with all the interest again back to the tech and that's where we started our we can call it startup but like an attempt of startup let's say so we built um
1: sorry to you just going yeah. back to your your MBA because as yeah. you said it was in Singapore but it was through the University of Bradford wasn't it right.
2: yeah because yeah, I
1: saw that that's where Sandra's from
2: yeah, yeah, the, that's why
1: you were under <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, so they have a campus in Singapore, and there was an option also to go to the UK. But actually, I really, really want to stay in Asia at that point of time.
0: I don't uh, blame you. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, but actually now I, I would probably spend also 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 some time in the UK. But back to the days, I kind of got really impressed by yeah. uh, by the way things are done there, by 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 business, Fantastic. by business and just. I the,
1: saw it on a LinkedIn. I thought, what a small world that we're ringing from Leeds, <laughs> right near Bradford. Yeah. I'm just from Bradford originally, and that's where you did your master's in the University of Bradford.
2: Yeah, now they and, actually uh, do a lot in online. I think they're just like, one of the first in online days. I don't know how it works. For me, it was important to be in place and just to be as, as much in the topic as possible. So now mm-hmm. things work a little bit differently.
1: Wow. Yeah. So you were saying, apologies, that's when it started your startup life then?
2: Yeah, the startup life. So uh, <laughs> our idea, actually, my idea first, we wanted to build, the, you know, like, just a long time ago, young guys. Uh, So we're going to all the restaurants and cafes and they always had this, like mostly small cafes, some stamp cards. When you put stamps and then you collect 10 and then you get free stuff on the subway or something like that. Let's let's actually put it in the app. And uh, so we pulled things together. Found um, with a friend of mine, uh, outsourced more or less design development works. We put the first prototype, found the first partner. And... We kind of built two sites. One site is, the, is, a, uh, is a user-facing site where j- we just collect stamps and so on. But for the companies itself, the idea was to create certain CRM where they can see uh, which um, uh, profile of the people using the services and eventually create certain campaigns for them as special, uh, special offers. Although back to the days, there were no GDPR. So
1: just... <laughs> <The> marketing <laughs> is a bit more simple.
2: <laughs> a little bit more naive way and yeah so yeah we kind of bootstrapped it, uh, in the very beginning uh and then we thought okay what do we, what do we need to do now of course you need to find investor <laughs> so and uh started uh just blind descending stuff and to people we know to people we don't know to certain like connections of connections and so on and eventually talked to a couple of fans there was uh, no much success, uh, with one, uh, although with one fund, there's like, like almost later stage, but also didn't really work out. But, um, the way it turned out actually that I ended up starting working in one of the funds I talked with, so and uh, then I kind of more or less thought, right, okay, it doesn't work, we don't have any money to do it anymore, we can find investment fund, but these guys, uh, they have pretty cool idea and vision, so. And they invited me, and that's how my VC career started. Mm -hmm. Like this. The fund was just about to start, so it was like nothing really. It just was an idea, and we kind of more or less talked to them as one of the first startups. So um, the focus of the fund was purely on fintech. That was like what made it special. So that's generally the entry to the fintech area. Yeah. And uh, so it started in Singapore, but then uh, eventually the main office was in Moscow so um, moved from Singapore to Moscow it's already was half a year to finish all the studies and um, yeah, worked there for two years in the fund so um, with the fund we quickly realized that actually there are not so many interesting opportunities in Russia and back to the days I'm pretty sure we were the first who used the word fintech even in the market
1: oh, wow, cool. I mean
2: in the Russian market obviously <laughs> <laughs> And um, we quickly switched focus from the Russian market to to US, UK, and uh, lately a little bit to Asia. So it started with building like network of the like different companies who also invested in FinTech. We had eventually a couple of, uh, made a couple of co-investments with a couple of UK funds, invested Mm in US uh, companies, and somehow focus always, always late on the, mostly digital and mobile banking. So that was the main area and mm-hmm. the expertise. Also we published a lot of different research uh, and like nice, nicely designed and like looked like a fancy magazine that was actually mm-hmm. promoting the fund very well and, and people were getting to know us and that's more or less how um, the connections were, were, were built. My focus was mostly in uh, understanding the business, how it's built, what is it... Uh, What's the setup? What's the team? What's the idea? Uh, and uh, everything, but actual uh, financial divisions, more or less, on the on the yeah team technology setup.
0: And at what point um, did you move to Germany? And then, because obviously you were involved in startups such as Coir and yeah, Credit. Yeah
2: it flows very you know like uh, kind of uh, same way more or less how i ended up in the vc okay <laughs> one of the companies <laughs> we talked with back to the days was credit tech from germany so we had a mm-hmm. had a tour in, in in germany where we talked with multiple uh, more or less famous fintechs back to the base one was lendico i think you had the guy from lendico with your yes
0: product. we
1: did yeah Sida. we love sid from
0: lendico
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh right. you know, the market's very small people still same mm. people yeah and um, Credit, like, one of was uh, also one of those companies and um, uh, we didn't end up investing in them back to the days. But then we stayed in touch and in, in roughly a few months they said, okay, you know, we kind of uh, have one idea here. And it's, it was like, I'll tell a bit more later on, but it's mostly in, in the area of digital banking again and knew that I've been engaged a lot on that stuff. So we talked once, twice, three times. And eventually, it ended up in maybe in yeah in Hamburg as the first place in Germany. Yeah, um, that's how it started with German markets. So, um, cool. Credit Tech. I don't know how much you know, but it used to be uh, used to be a very famous uh, startup in Germany. It was the most funded fintech company back to the days.
1: Wow.
2: Uh, it went bank venture last week, I think. But I mean, oh, gosh, it was in 2014. It was uh, really like. a, a Everyone knew about it here. And um, the core business of the company was in uh, consumer lending in different various products in uh, seven different countries, except Germany, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The office was in Germany, but yeah, the the core business was in in, in different countries, Spain, uh, Mexico, Poland, Russia, and, and other countries. And the core business was lending. And my goal was to build the digital banking solution that would serve as the main mean to get quick basically quickly put the money that I issued after the successful uh, uh credit uh scoring decision straight to the bank account or to our own cards so customers can start using it immediately using either plastic card or virtual card yeah So and we built like um uh, company within the company because uh, the business was very different from the, from the main business from the uh, regulatory point of view and we tried to find the setup that would help us to issue the cards and accounts straight away to multiple countries so we registered a separate entity it was a lot of uh, playing back and forth whether we should go with our own license whether we should acquire something whether we should get this or that license eventually we found a partner who helped us to set up the whole banking infrastructure and yeah, launched in uh, a couple of countries to start with. And yeah, it was uh, generally created like was one of the most exciting journeys because I met a lot of people I know now. They're all uh, still here, hey, the, most of them in Berlin. Oh, and, that's nice. Hamburg.
0: What yeah. was, um, yeah. sorry, I'm just going to ask you um, before. I know we've got a bit more to, to go on to, but I um, think just since that obviously this is a leadership um, show and podcast all about leadership. It's it'd be really interesting to hear. You've obviously been involved in so many VC startups, etc. It'd be really interesting to hear um what from a leadership point of view, what your kind of main learnings have been along the way that you might be able to share with others that are interested in, you know, maybe um going in sort of moving into the same footsteps as you and developing and building their career within the startup and, and VC world.
2: Uh, well I mean it's 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 was very interesting learning generally you know like it uh, should we talk about the current more or less view or or basically what I learned mostly being in VC or uh, or
0: what what you think is most valuable to share with others would
2: be really good I think that what I learned since you know I I didn't really work anywhere except Russia before 2010 uh and before the actual international exposure, let's say to the U.S., to the U.K., so in Russia, nobody really talked about leadership that much. That was the first interesting finding. So by, by talking to other companies or to like companies in the U.S., in the U.K., and Asia, I found how companies, how more they emphasize on the culture and actual leadership. So how different is that? So that's more or less when I started to realize that uh, that the company culture has much greater important than I thought before that also includes the leadership style of, of the of mm. the leaders and the founders and the and the seniors. So but um I would make sure you mention the, the, the leadership style maybe a little bit later on because I think it's worth uh, also mention a couple of other journeys if we're still in time for that or I was still yeah good?
1: yeah no no we'd love to hear yeah. so, love to hear about
2: the um then um after, after Credit Tech, I joined Koya. Koya is uh, currently one of the most also known insurtechs in Europe. So it's a fully licensed insurance company. I started there from basically day one. And uh, yeah, we started slightly building the team, just starting again. Four, so five, there was
1: no employees, there was just you, the founders...
2: Yeah, that's more or less all the, all the same because in Tech, like, there was a lot of employees, but we started a separate entity. My team was right. yeah, yeah. totally independent, everything. So it's it's somehow always worked with. Okay, there is nothing. Let's do something here. So and cool. the last three journeys, mm-hmm. and uh, same for Koya. And uh, I knew uh, founder of Koya from back to from credit tech. He was uh, I think first employee in Creditac.
1: Oh right, okay, and cool. That's
2: how we got to know each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we had lots of things in common. We uh, saw things in, a, in the same way. And that's more or less when we you know, decided, let's, let's try to do something. And it grew pretty fast and pretty big, although it was a really tough journey because we decided to go straight for the license and to acquire the license for uh, just young startups straight away without having just uh, young guys. Doesn't work. So we had to like, build a proper team set up. With people who have a lot of experience in insurance who can be credible for financial. I think I just
0: lost
2: you yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And um, Koya and Alteros itself, so Koya, Koya's business was mostly in B2C, so the different insurance products done a little bit uh, much more in the same, in a user friendly way and thinking about more in the, about a younger generation, let's say, but focusing on the B2C area. So uh, we built, uh, yeah, the team now, it's around 80 people. I'm not there since already a long time, but uh, the company is doing well and still pretty well-known, but it's a long Fantastic. way. Yeah. And, that's awesome. Uh, unfortunately, uh, at certain point of time, I would say our view of certain things didn't match. We can put it this way. And uh, that's more or less how I ended up in Alteos. Mm -hmm. It was not overnight, obviously it was a long process in between, and uh, we were reached directly by Axel. It was a surprise, and first they found uh, CEO, our current CEO, who then found me, and then we found CTO. And at that point of time, it was just the idea, okay, uh, we're a big insurance company, everyone knows us, we want to do something in SureTech. There was no specific idea that they wanted to um, to emphasize on. Basically, they trusted us to come up with a list of ideas and then just together to choose one.
1: Wow, that's really cool. So, like the whole creation, everything you've been involved in, the whole process.
2: Yeah, and I thought, how awesome is that? Basically, you just like have a full trust, you can just suggest and try certain things. So we came up with a list of 12 ideas we really like. Some of them very very like traditional insurance specific, some of them were with certain very different consumer business but having insurance as a certain element of that because there was no strict restriction let's do just insurance insurance so yeah and uh we had a presentation with them uh in in the head office in cologne in cologne and we were basically obviously we had the idea we liked the most and uh we were going through ideas some ideas nobody really paid attention some ideas there were like a little bit of discussion and by the time we reached the idea of, of um, having, uh, we call it um, insurance as a service or insurance that helps to quickly onboard partners and sell insurance through partnerships, mm-hmm. you could see real engagement and interest from the, uh, from the participants. And there were like uh, pretty interesting people. There were a couple of board members of AXA Germany and uh, head of uh, different, heads of different business lines. So they really knew what's uh, what goes well what's interesting in the market and so on and that's how the direction actually established Um, yeah what we do in Alteos is more or less we do B2B to 2 business where we sell insurance products through partner distribution so that was our goal from day one we never wanted to establish uh, like a really big brand and we still doing this so that's why there, maybe there is not so much information in terms of the news of PR because actually there is no interest for us to do PR and um, the core asset I would say uh, you know like when we started again the starting three of us as always mm-hmm. and uh, we thought okay now we had already, I had already a little bit of experience in insurance and uh, basically I knew a little bit of the software that has to be first built to start selling and we thought okay should we go for some software provider or should we build it ourselves and there was a lot of plan back and forth and like talking to US, uh, huge US providers and by those talks we actually realized that we can create a lot of dependency if you go with one of the big providers and it can be a very expensive problem, maybe not flexible enough. So we decided to build all the backend ourselves. So it's so called the core insurance system that manages everything that comes to insurance policy and uh, any user-related or policyholder-related relationships. Um, so the core asset of the company, basically the system itself, I'll talk a bit about the team later on now. And the competitive advantage is for us that basically we can start any new insurance product for any partner within one day versus sometimes half a year for the big insurance companies. one of the reasons we can do it is basically in the system we built because it's extremely flexible, extremely configurable, and it doesn't require any engineering work anymore. So the way it's built, it's just pure configuration that can be done by almost any business person with a little bit of training. And that makes us very fast. And it also helps us to serve at the same time big companies, but also very small companies. So we can have thousands and actually have a lot, thousands of small companies, clients, and each of them can sell, I don't know, one insurance a week, but then all together, it creates a big portfolio and big big, uh, big revenues. It's
1: really so, yeah. Answer. It's quite similar. We've actually got a client in the UK, could digital and
2: they do a lot on insurances and services yeah well we focused on in germany now and that's actually also you know very um, this journey is very different from the journeys i had before because Mm -hmm. all the companies before were vc funded companies and here we are more or less uh, we have one investor that is AXA, so it's not a vc game at all that Mm. brings very different KPIs and metrics on the on the table so
0: so how many of you are there now because you said you started with three I
2: think we're on 47 or 40 45 people now
0: okay cool fantastic um,
2: so uh, just a bit about this key so for us the most important part was just to build an efficient company so yeah mm-hmm. uh, it's often in the VC world, and I saw it a lot when I was also in VC, there are lots of, I call it vanity metrics. And vanity metrics, okay, we have many markets now, we hire 300 people, that's our growth. And then for us, actually, the important metric is to hire less people. Because otherwise, there is no point just to, like, we have to show that we can do certain processes that, for example, AXA do, but in a more efficient way. That's the yeah. whole point of existence. So, lucky
0: and the right people.
2: Yeah, so I think we're pretty much the size. I don't think it can grow much further. There is no even point in that. If only we need more like manual work on the call center, but we don't really see it right now. Certain work that cannot be really automa- automated or cannot be outsourced. Yeah. But the core team size probably will stay like that. Uh, yeah, and about, about the team. So, I mentioned we're around 40, 45 people. Mm-hmm. We do some outsourcing work for certain stuff, uh, and um, yeah. we have a sale, our own sales team and sales resources. So we find partners ourselves. We're fully independent uh, from AXA when it comes to that. So AXA more or less acts as a reinsurer in the classical way when they uh, insure our risks and when they also well provide the money, obviously and a certain credibility as well as the young company as the big parent on the background but mm-hmm. we have full flexibility when it comes to the insurance solution insurance products and so on um so uh, just the last thing about it I, I would say it's we're pretty lucky also with the people there it's like extra people very flexible and they uh unlike all the stereotypes about people have worked in huge corporations i think in a very modern way they also know all the trends and obviously know everything so there we go pretty lucky. yeah
0: fantastic great interesting interesting journey very exciting great that you like moved around so much in singapore wow like um absolutely amazing what um What'd be really interesting to hear more about? Obviously, you've managed and grown different sizes of businesses, um, different team sizes. Um, currently, in the forties, what? Um, how would you say that your teams would describe your leadership style, and how would you describe your leadership style?
2: Yeah, that's um, you know, it's 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 a good question in a way because uh, you know what I personally believe. And I hope actually everyone see it like that. So I don't I don't see that you can always use one leadership style for all the situations, yeah. because certain situations requires different approach. For example, I would you know I would call it an adaptive style. Let's put it this way. But it's mostly I would call it a combination of certain like more or less democratic approach where I'm trying to move myself more now towards the coaching style where I, like I give a lot of trust to people and actually that's. Mm. Uh, uh, more or less like a uh, meritocratic concept. However, I just have just a certain situations requires to really jump in and be a little bit autocratic on certain decisions because there can be cases when there is a reputation, reputational risk on the company, and you have to sort solve quick uh, things very quickly. And then sometimes yeah. you have to really say what what people have to do. But if you If things are calm and work like in a normal way of life so it's mostly uh, trusting people and uh, for me probably yeah the most important thing that people have to take care about what they do and if they see that they care can also have a full trust to them and and they can be fully autonomous
1: yeah it's nice I think from a leadership perspective as well when you can get to that Coaching style rather than autocratic, like you say. It's interesting. You mentioned something earlier about when you were coming from Russia that that you hadn't really spoken about leadership before, and it wasn't something that was really mentioned until until you moved away. It'd be interesting to see, and I think also like the culture piece wasn't something that was a focus. But obviously, when when you came to Germany, it's so important to get that culture right, particularly with you getting involved in early stage startups. Can you talk to us about that and like how that's how your kind of ideas has changed around culture and what what what, what sort of culture and environment you're trying to create in the startups that you've been involved in
2: yeah generally so the first time first time I faced it was in my studies in the in the MBA. there was a special even uh, subject on the leadership so that's more or less where the concept of leadership were explored but interestingly it was not so long time ago right it was uh, like ten years ago but mm. back to the days there was I don't remember that there was any concept that was focusing on the coaching or something that really like people trust driven so all the styles that were described in the books were pretty much standard sometimes describing it like in a vertical or horizontal leadership but that's it there was no like those concepts that are popular now back like back back to the, the 10 years ago and then more or less uh when i already worked in germany so um we had a lot of trainings first of all on the leadership trainings and like different, yeah. different, that were different coaches who come into us in a different format and so on. That's more or less where, uh, well, when the more or less understanding came uh, to that you have to really trust people, you cannot, if you say what they do, they do it, but then they will never show any motivation or when they will never do extra step. And the outcome of that, it's always negative because people might be, if you're really autocratic and you just say people how to do. Yeah. It's you know, fair to say something, they might be feeling you know, uncomfortable when they're speaking, and no one knows anything. That's the core thing, basically. So you have people just to be able to solve certain situations collectively. And by just being uh, like a straight autocratic leader, mm-hmm. you rely on the one person that can track this, the whole idea of the, of the, of the teamwork or.
1: Kills creation, right? So, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't aspire that collaborative, creative environment, does it? Which is so important and so crucial in these startups. So building out these teams then you're always like one of the first in there. So attracting talent is a huge part of that. And we all know how competitive it is in the German market, particularly in Berlin. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you've attracted talent and built teams from scratch and any words of advice you've got for that?
2: basically <laughs> with all possible means yeah but uh jokes aside so uh, i think the most important uh thing and it also goes in line with generally how i see product management is that you have to give certain person certain domain of responsibility that creates uh, the, the, the ownership feeling yeah so, so that makes mm-hmm. people feel like Okay, that's my own, let's say, small business. That's I, I'm, I'm the boss here, and I can take all the decisions. And I think that motivates people a lot, especially in the product when there is like a lot of trust and responsibility, and they have multiple uh, various tasks. And also, um, that's usually how I hire people. So we like we never hire a person whenever when we don't have don't have an understanding that okay, there is clearly a domain that person can manage. We can give a full ownership, and then the person can be responsible for that um that's uh more or less it so and then also i believe that the atmosphere at work um it's very important so we like to have fun so when we uh, i think people like us when they come <laughs> to interview we have equal amount of hard work and fun at, wor- yeah. at work and it's very important i'm what i'm not a big fan of i'm not a big fan of talking about culture itself although I fully believe it's important but what I noticed the more you talk about culture the more you focus on that okay let's set the culture in the company
0: mm-hmm. the
2: more it actually goes against it and people don't believe mm-hmm. it that was my experience so somehow the people
1: are the culture aren't they
2: yeah, you can set, let's say, a uh, set of like, ten most important values for the company. Mm, but then, yeah. what you have to do, you have then to you decide... need the right
0: people, don't you? In the culture, it's it's about involving the people and having the right people and and taking them taking you and taking that journey with you. Um, I think, like you say, you one hundred percent, you can set the values, but the culture, I think, comes on. It's a journey with the people.
2: Absolutely, but you can just really also bring culture and people if they don't believe in that. So I think yeah. the most important thing that we got lucky with is that when you hire people, you can just more or less see already if there will be more or less the fit, right? So, mm-hmm. and also the most important thing in hiring, like the cultural fit itself, and and what drives people.
0: I'd um, be interested in learning more about, um, from a startup point of view, how do, you, how do you get the people through the door? How do you attract that talent through yeah. your door?
2: Well, that's uh, actually, it's relatively, um, well, it's not easy, but the best thing what you can do in startup, it's much, you can learn much more. You First of all, you you learn faster, you engage in so many multiple tasks, especially when the team is small. There is one important thing about startup, especially in early stage, there are no areas of, there like pure areas of responsibility. Okay, I do only this thing and that's my thing and don't do anything else. So everyone more or less get engaged in various topics. Of course, you have still like the main, main job that you do, but... In order to, to move fast, to be efficient, you have to be really like engage and support other people and other members. So that's one thing. So people learn very fast. and uh, like, uh, Almost everyone who I hired always said, oh, when they just joined, especially people from a little bit more traditional companies, they said, okay, in these first months I learned here more than like in three years before in the big company.
1: Wow. So they're really getting things getting things done and achieving things. So that sense of ownership is so important. And um, what are you passionate about, Dimitri? I'd love to know a little bit more about that. What what gets you up in the morning? What are you excited about?
2: Uh, you know, uh, generally, well, as you can guess, I'm kind of really huge fan of the of the tech in general. I'm like mm-hmm. always you're a
1: techie to, at heart.
2: As an early adopter, although I don't have a tech degree, but I'm very, very close to engineering now generally so and you know over my career you know like I moved from business business closer closer to tech where now I'm basically like just hugging tech as, as, as tight as possible and
1: hugging like tech as tight as possible
2: like <laughs> it a lot I'm, I'm, I'm very close so that um, brings another passion I uh I really like to be hands-on but I force myself not to in many cases so yeah. I find even tasks that I do myself, like support the team and just purely from because I like doing this itself. Plus early stage startup doesn't require managers, like a pure managers. Of course, the more you grow, it gets more and more manager. And now it's already much different from the day we started. And also that's example of leadership, more or less like basically leading by doing that's very simple things. So, okay, uh, we, we do all things together. And um, yeah, apart from that, I'm crazy passionate about the UX and user experience generally. So that's my favorite area. And now uh, I really like how it's evolving from simple, like different random designs towards sophisticated design systems that contain different reusable components. And it's, it's getting more and more interesting over time where this area goes and... Good. Yeah, that's uh, main thing. good
1: good good it's nice that you've got that tech passion at heart but you love leadership and that's um it's nice to have a combination Both, so it sounds like you've got the perfect job um with your current current role and um, we love to finish the podcast with like what's on your agenda what are you excited about what's the plans for the next 12 months anything cool that we should know about that you've been up to
2: well, currently, you know, like my main goal, generally just to make business profitable, uh, as profitable yeah. as possible, as soon as possible. Your boss
1: will be happy when he listens to this. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, we're like I don't have really boss, boss here. Board, the board should be happy. The
1: <laughs> board will be happy. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's uh, also... The when investor. I want to really prove that the efficient business can be really built with a small team that just do things right and they're using the modern tech mm-hmm um also although being in a very regulated environment where it's extremely hard to innovate but uh still um long term i still would like to see myself in something that uh makes a little bit bigger impact let's say to people's life in society because i really love insurance generally and i think Mm. that's nice would like to see myself in doing something something more life-changing in a way
1: yeah, tech for good.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. Good.
1: Is there any certain areas like health tech, ed tech, what kind of like, what, where, where do you see that?
2: Health tech is very, yeah. very uh, although I know the German market now pretty well, also in health and the data uh, privacy regulations. Of course, they bring a lot of failure, most of the most actually positive things, but it makes certain things almost impossible to build certain meaningful and area, just to build certain uh, uh, companies that use the data in the most efficient way because you just cannot access the data because there is this restriction, that regulation and so on. Mm-hmm. But I believe over time, it should uh, establish a little bit better because it's just all this GDPR topics just started a few years ago. People still mm-hmm. like don't use it efficiently and like uh, abuse it and so on. So yeah, it's yes. a very interesting area. itself. Yeah.
1: So wait, wait, watch this space. Dimitri is going to start and a really interesting health tech. We're going to uh, keep our eyes peeled for that over the, in the future. <laughs> Longer <laughs> term though, Axa. Don't worry, you've not lost him yet. <laughs> yeah, not, now, not now,
2: not now, not yet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It's been great hearing your story, um, Dimitri, and getting to know you. If anyone's got any questions, are they all right to reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter? What's the best form of contact?
2: Yeah, LinkedIn is good enough, yeah.
1: Awesome. I think um, you've given some great advice, particularly um, for anyone looking to scale up their business. So it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks, Dimitri.
2: Thank you. Thanks.